Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us Tariq Berada. He is the co-founder and the CSO at She19, M19. And this is an AI-powered software for Amazon sellers. Tariq, how are you today? Good, good. Thanks. Thank you for, for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here. So you are in you're in Paris right now. Is that where the office is? Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm in Paris. And by the way, it's after 6 p.m. and I should be at home <laughs> because there is a lockdown after 6 p.m. So I'm oh. happy to be here discussing with you. I hope you don't get in trouble for that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so is it um to have an office in Paris or around Paris, is that um, does that eat into profits? Is that very expensive or not really? Yes, it is super expensive to have it inside Paris, but it's uh, it's game changing because most of our employees are living in Paris. If you need to commute and spend more than 40 minutes or one hour commuting to go outside Paris to the office, uh, we just don't want to have that. So we pay this extra money to have offices inside Paris. And it's mm -hmm. always good to go outside to good restaurants, cafes, to grab something to eat, to have a drink somewhere. So it has a lot of advantages of being inside Paris. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. So uh, you are, you're a data scientist. Is that, yeah. is that true? Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I have uh, an engineering background. So I, I studied computer and science and machine learning. And I worked for uh, more than six years doing data engineering in a, a research and development department in a French tech company called Criteo. Mm -hmm. I spent all these years working on search optimization algorithms, but not on Amazon. It was on AdWords. And it's there where I met most of my co-founders. And it's from there that we decided, let's go do that on, on Amazon. The uh, space is big. There are a lot of room of optimization and improvement. And here we are. We did it two years ago. And now we are live and optimi optimizing on, on Amazon Marketplace. Nice. Okay. So it does make sense now. It's all coming together. Um, the Being in Paris and then where you worked pre previously, uh, because I saw, I saw your team. And you have... Uh, people that used to work at Google, you know, ex Criteo yeah. staff, uh, the former senior manager at Amazon advertising, right? So to get all these people together, it, I figured it was either a really big task or you probably already knew them before, right? Is that, is that the case? Yeah, exactly. Most, I used to know most of the team from Criteo mm -hmm. and the other part of the team from Google and Amazon, the link between all of us is Francois, our chief revenue officer that used to work also in Google before. And he already started, created a company with our CEO before that they sold to an agency. So we basically, we are two teams, Credio and Google with the link in the middle. Uh, that is Francois, our uh, chief revenue officer. Okay, nice. So that means um, M19 is not just, it's not a cookie cutter AI company that 
somebody else, you know, that somebody used a template and just, you know, launched out there. You guys actually built it and know what you're doing. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, we had the chance to do it for many years in a, a big research and development department in Credio that is like the first, by the way, it's the first company, uh, it's the company that created remarketing, you know, a sponsored display, the last feature in sponsored display doing remarketing on user that visited one of your products. Yes. It's Credio that created this ad formats like eight years ago. And we were working on that type of algorithms. Then we were working on uh, optimization on AdWords. That's so. fantastic. Because I did hear that before, that uh, that re remarketing or retargeting, retargeting. Depending, on, depending on the platform. But I heard that it was created by Credio. Yeah. And um, I actually always thought that it was... Uh, like a Facebook or a Google that had developed that. So fantastic. But unfortunately for, for them, like because of this uh, cookie problem now that with Google not allowing cookies and with Apple on Safari not allowing cross website cookie matching, sometimes are difficult for Credio because, because of that. So they are trying to diversify to go and use other technologies, not cookie based because it's not anymore allowed on most of uh, major uh, browsers. So, uh, without getting lost here in, in what we're going to get into, I just want to know when something like that gets uh, created um, and let's say Facebook then wants to use retargeting, do they get a licensing deal with Criteo or Criteo? Criteo, uh, yeah. right? No, um, yeah, or, um, or do they develop their own? No, they do develop their own. Because mm. the the basics and the technology itself, it's not uh, super complex. Like in terms, like the um, the structure behind it, dropping a cookie on a website and going on another website and reading this cookie to match the user, it's not rocket science, and it's it's not um, easy to have a pattern on technologies like that. Mm. What is complex that each company is developing its own is when you are linking these cookies, how are you going to estimate what is the likelihood that a user is good for a brand or not in terms of the likelihood that the user will buy if I show him ads or not. It's this modeling part where you are trying for every user, for every uh, display opportunity to estimate if it's worth it to go for it, to invest, to show the ad or not. This is the complex part. Wow. So is, is something like that possible to do with Amazon to know the likelihood? Uh, ah. Would they even share that kind of API or whatever it is with you? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is the, the core of our technology and I guess uh, of all the good technologies that are doing good PPC uh, on Amazon. You need to be able to estimate with the data you have uh, through the API what is the likelihood that there will be a conversion on a search term for a given product? So the difference with the Google space or Credio space or the real-time bidding space in general is that on Amazon, you don't have user-related data, but you have the ecosystem-related data, which means you have a keyword, you have a product that you want to link the keyword to, and you should decide the CPC, but you don't know to which type of users it will be decided, mm -hmm. uh, displayed. Uh, 
So you do, you play with what you have, which is the keyword, the placement, and the product, and you do your estimation to 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 estimate what is the likelihood of converting if you display an ad. And this is the backbone of AI-based uh, PPC softwares. Oh, that that is that's fantastic. And you said you you don't have access to buyer information, right? So you don't know. No, no company out there besides Amazon will know if yeah. Quinn's account adds 50 items to cart and actually checks out 50 items or no access to that information. Yeah, there's only Amazon that has access to this information. And by the way, in Amazon organic ranking or sponsored ranking or all of their internal arbitration systems, they are using different source of information. And one source of information is user-related data, like user history, uh, address, uh, number of times that he bought in the last five days, 10 days, months, or whatever. So they have a pool of, of many data related to the user. And this is injected in their algorithms with the search term and the product that is eligible for the search term. Everything goes inside one prediction model and on the Amazon site, they predict if they show you a product organically or sponsored, is it likely that you will buy it or not? And this is how they decide which product they put number one and which product they put number two. So the data, they have it. They don't share it to service providers that are plugged through the API, but they use it internally to decide for their organic rank and the sponsor rank. That, that is so good. Uh, you know, often when I'm talking to, for example, for, for with team members, just like before getting into this call, I was talking to a team member and they were manually searching for a keyword for one of the, the client's products, right? And they were typed that keyword and they told me that they were ranked, they were ranked organically on position 72. So I uh, I said, well, it can't be because I just checked it and yeah. it, it, it I had it um, like right above below the fold on page one. So like position 24 or something. And then I even changed to match their address because sometimes it could be geographic location or, you know, bad yeah, weather exactly. or where they are. Yeah. And, um, and, and we still had the differences. And then another team member came and had something different and also we track, there's a tool that we use also, uh, Helium 10, where we track the position in each keyword. And uh, Helium 10 had a completely different result too, right? Yeah. So that is it. They know they're going to show me something different because of my buying habits, which may be confusing for them because I purchase everything with my wife's account. And then with my account, it's just searches and... and <laughs> I, like my own, I don't even have a prime membership. That's why everything is bought in my wife's account. And because that's her job is buying things. <laughs> yeah. So it was a super good topic when I was working at Quirio. And I was basically working also on that type of algorithms on Quirio side to decide to which of Quirio clients we will be displaying ads. And we need to arbitrate between them. It's equivalent to Amazon deciding which brand they will put uh, before or in front of another brand. And just to make it even clearer for you, you have basically 
four big family of inputs that are used to decide for the organic and sponsored. The first one is, as you said, the uh, user data, user history uh, data. The second one is the visual, like the context, uh, which browser it is, which device, what's the user agent, uh, it's a, which uh, is it on Mac, on Linux or Windows or whatever. The third one is the search intent, like the, the search query. Mm -hmm. And the last one is the product. So they combine all this user data, the contextual uh, data, uh, the search term intent and product related information. They mix all this and they, they compute one number, which is what will optimize Amazon revenue. And what does optimize Amazon revenue is you buying so as they can get their uh, cut, their 15% or whatever, depending on the category, mm -hmm. uh, on top of that. And this is basically how it works. For uh, inputs, when usually good softwares like Helium 10 or whatever that are tracking uh, organic rank, in theory, they should, um, to track ranking, they should do it from different systems with different scenarios to kind of be representative of the av an average user mm -hmm. that is using a given device in a given hour of the day with a given history behind the user. Or this is one way of doing it, or you can do it kind of from scratch in incognito mode with a default user agent with no history of the user or in the browser. And this mm -hmm. you can have a kind of baseline of the ranking with no data uh, available at uh, this stage. I think that this is so good. And this is confirming some, some of the biases that I had when it comes to uh, vi uh, the, the context, right? Um, which browser you use or, uh, for example, years ago, this has been, I'll say almost 10 years ago, uh, on, on the travel uh, websites that, you know, that resell uh, packages for flying and hotels and everything, if you performed a search of a, a package of uh, travel, like rent a car, hotel, and flights, PC users would get the lowest first. Mac users would always get the most expensive. And, and this was, I mean, 10 years ago. And I mean, I, I can only imagine how much this has evolved now and to know that Amazon does similar things right know which browser operating system if you're if you're on a, on a pc if not but and then one of the things i can't figure out how an algorithm would, would know the search intent because depending on the keyword I, I can see search intent or not something like cheap shoes as a search intent right that you want to buy uh, the shoes but if somebody just types red shoes and then again, Google is different than Amazon because red shoes on Google may mean nothing. You want to look at a picture. Uh, and, and Amazon, you may want to buy them. How can that be determined, a search intent on Amazon? Yeah. Or so uh, just one, one, one fun uh, story that I had while working on these algorithms, because when you were describing uh, all this type of information, I remembered uh, this. It was... Um, so useful to use so many data to decide how you want to 
display ads or product to a user that we discovered uh, in my previous company that even the network provider or if the user was on a Wi-Fi or a wired um, internet connection or even it's Verizon or whatever uh, service provider, this has an impact on the likelihood of conversion because I think it, it was including other information related to location, wealth, or whatever. And even that type of information were used when we inject them in the system and in the algorithms, the output and the predictions were better and more accurate. It was, it's just a small example to, uh, to tell you that the more data you have, the more you will inject, and even some tiny ones that might seem not super relevant can give extra signal and accuracy to, to that type of uh, algorithms. If I want to come back to your question related to search intent, so basically the search intent is just a, a combination of the raw search term with the product inputs, because from the product listing, there are a lot of uh, information that is extracted, like uh, words in the title, uh, groups of two words from the title, number of high resolution uh, photos of the product listing or whatever. So from the product listing, you extract a lot of um, what we call features in the uh, machine learning space. And all this information is crossed with the search term itself that also from this search term, you extract many features. F features can be number of words in a search term, the combinations of two words. For example, if you have cheap, if you have cheap red shoes and you extract the combination red shoes and you know that the combination of red shoes when it's crossed with red shoes that is available in the title, it has a high likelihood of conversion. Because of this feature extraction from the product listing and from the search term as it is written, you extract everything, it's crossed, it's injected in the algorithms, and these combinations are giving signal to what is working in terms of conversion and what is not. So would, would your tool, for example, keep a, a search history of, of um, I would guess, from all the accounts uh, connected, of the amount of times that red shoes converted versus cheap red shoes in this example? Yeah, so uh, in theory, we can do that type of optimization, uh, but we decided not to do it for the simple reason that if we do it, it will be, if we cross data uh, between our clients, it will be more beneficial for bigger accounts. Since we don't have user data, we have only search related data and product data. And if, and since the big accounts has bigger history and for big accounts with high selling products, it's cheaper for them to advertise. Your CPCs are cheaper, the bigger you are and the high seller you are. So if we mutualize all the data, it will be more beneficial for the bigger accounts. And we don't want to do that. This is why uh, in our system, every account has its own data for the prediction side. And for every account, we use its own history because search term has a given performance to a given product. Yeah. 
And since our customer also doesn't share catalogs, each one is uh, a white label, a private label, uh, they don't have the same ASINs. Each one has its own ASIN, and we know to learn the performance of a search term that is how a given search term behave on this specific ASIN. This is the second reason uh, why we don't share, we don't do cross uh, accounts uh, learnings. Okay, that does that does make sense because the product is a big part of the equation. If, yeah, if, exactly. Okay, got it. So tell me something, what do you like the most about your tool? <laughs> uh, it's funny because I was uh, discussing with uh, one colleague about that a couple of hours uh, before, and probably you didn't even uh, tell me anything about uh, that question. Mm -hmm. What I like the most about the tool is the complexity. The tool is so complex and doing so many computations uh, behind the scene and trying to expose only an easy interface where with minimum actions and operation possible, you want to control and uh, to operate in a super sophisticated and advanced way. This is uh, what I do believe is uh, like the, why our tool is, I think is good because uh, of that. Hiding complexity, showing it in a simple way, in a super fast uh, interface where you don't want, need to wait seconds for actions to happen or data to load, everything is super uh, fast to make the experience easy, lean, and uh, smooth. But the not related to the, the software, but related to the ad, Amazon advertising space, what I find super different from uh, the previous ecosystem I was working in on is the fact that everything is correlated and mixed. When you are doing advertising, you cannot ignore logistics, retail, the listing quality, everything is mixed. When you are uh, running uh, almost out of stock or close to out of stock, or you are overstocked, mm -hmm. you should take that into account into your bidding. When you are running a promotion, you should take that into consideration because it will impact your conversion rate that is the backbone of prediction from for advertising. And the cool part of it is everything is in the same big machine that is Amazon. And all this data, we can get it from the API. So what I really like about not only our software, but about this area is the fact that we are not doing advertising outside from all the rest. We are doing our advertising taking into consideration all the rest and it's important to keep an eye on all the rest and it has a direct impact to it. Is there any way, uh, I don't know if this exists yet or it, it, would it be possible, uh, looking at if you had, for example, a bunch of sales history on, let's say my account, for example, and uh, the trend of that account in the conversion rate, would it be possible to have a prediction tool that say, for example, if I spend $80,000 a month in advertising right now and make X, if I increase it to 140, uh, what the outcome would be? Is there any way to get an approximate uh, estimation tool? Uh, 
Yeah, you can always have an approximation, but we have no guarantee about how good this approximation will be. Uh, this is the hardest uh, part of um, advertising, mainly because of two reasons. It's super hard to estimate demand. If you are able to estimate demand, you can do a better predictions of this. Uh, by the way, you are just kind of describing elasticity between investing and getting sponsored sales that will impact your revenue. And you are saying, can we predict this link and elasticity between these two? It's hard because demand, it's hard to predict. And we, we don't have a lot of data from uh, Amazon about uh, search absolute search volume and not relative search volume like what we can have in brand analytics or whatever. <laughs> and the second reason why it's super hard to predict is competition. Competition today is super different from what it will be in uh, two weeks. And the basic simple example for that is if today you have, let's say two competitors that are running super aggressive PPC, in two weeks they run out of stock they won't be running any PPC. I can assure you that your CPCs will be way lower in two weeks and your ACOS for the same, the same advertising strategy for the same amount of spend, your ACOS will be way lower and you didn't touch anything. You didn't do anything. It's just competition that is changing and even with uh, no change in demand. So because of these two things that you cannot control and it's hard to estimate demand and competition, making that type of um, prediction is, is tough. And personally, uh, I, I, I like I avoid trying to try to do that predictions because I'm pretty sure that at the end of the day I will end up with something uh, that is not relevant. Okay. Yeah, the reason why I'm asking is because we did try and the results were, were terrible. And <laughs> I, I wanted to know, did I hit the ceiling? Did, did I cap the, the demand uh, for the for that product? Or or was there any other factors that, that made it? Uh, like it was, It's not that it was terrible, but uh, the return of ad spend definitely uh, took a turn for the worse or the ACOS as well. So yeah, I was wondering if yeah. there was something to do with the demand capped or... Uh, there, there are two things. What you just described, now you, you have more and more data provided from Amazon, like brand analytics, that by the way, I think uh, is not used enough because, because of what it brings in terms of data and value. Brand analytics can be super good to know where you are in terms of uh, what what is the remaining uh, sales you can get. And the second thing is what you are describing is basically you are trying to find this marginal and optimal ACOS you want to go for. Because just uh, because you have an ACOS that also is changing over time, that is optimal, where when you are trying to target a higher ACOS than this one, you will go for super expensive sales uh, by, and buy increasing slightly your spend and investment you will get you will get only expensive sales so you want to reduce your sponsored sales and spend less because the overall ACOS will be way smaller and the other way around you want also 
to decrease slightly and uh, not slightly you want to decrease with the bigger steps possible your ecos without losing a lot of sponsored sales so this is why i'm always telling uh, our uh, clients it's not because today you are running at an ecos that you are super satisfied with i don't know 20 25 whatever uh, that they are not an optimal ecos that you should be looking for and this optimal might change in time. And in my opinion, an advanced uh, seller will always be looking for this sweet spot and having in front and in mind margins at product group level that he is doing the experiment for and ranking on, on the main keywords. So as long as you are tracking precisely your main keywords ranking and your profit for at, at one product level or the group of product level, you can go look for this uh, marginal ACOS. And this marginal ACOS should move across time. So you need to continue looking for it uh, all the time. Now, a little bit more into M19 tool. If somebody wants to, um, I guess that they all work a little bit similar when it comes to, you want the, the ACOS to be, let's say, below 25% or at 25%, you input the price of the product and all that. But is it possible that you can separate certain keywords where you don't care of the ACOS of a keyword? Let's say if there's certain keywords that I want to control, can I control that keyword? And even if it's a 300% ACOS, I don't care as long as the others maintain their 25, 30% whatever that can be done yeah of course and uh we are proposing it today through our platform thanks to our uh, a bunch of uh, big sellers that are using our software and they influenced our way of presenting and optimizing because it was one of their big needs they really like that the software is doing keyword extraction, competitor extraction, bidding, everything based on ACOS. But there are some group of strategy keywords where they want to kind of override the ACOS optimization way on some way, either with they decide how they want to go for it, or they want at least to impact and influence the intensity on this group of keywords. And this is why today, uh, on M19, you have two options. Either you leave the tool um, do, do the job for your ASIN, or you tell him, okay, do the job for the ASIN, but I want to create what we call internally a tactic where you define the group of keywords and you tell the tool, now that you know my ACOS target, you know the performance of every one of these keywords that are in the tactic, do your work, do your estimation, and tell me what's the CPC I should be bidding. The tool will compute that. And then on top of that, the tool will be applying a multiplier that will reflect the intensity the seller want to have, either high, super high, low, or medium low. And overall, on all the keywords, not only in the tactic, I want the tool to maintain 20% ACOS. So this is the hybrid mode where they have more control in terms of intensity over 
a group of keywords, but at the same time, there's this ACOS guarantee at the product level. And the last one, I think this is more closer to what you described. You can, you have a M19 strategies managing everything for, for you. You can exclude a group of keywords that either you manage manually yourself with a fixed bid or whatever, or you can exclude even in a dedicated strategy so as they have their own ACOS target that might be way higher or way lower or whatever. So we have these three modes. Okay. And you also have three uh, types of accounts that can we can register in M19 as um, a seller, a brand, or an agency. Uh, yeah. What's the difference between the seller and the brand? The, the difference between seller and brand uh, is the type of accounts seller vendor accounts mm. vendor accounts are just like brands that are selling directly to to amazon and the only limitation we have today but it will change in the coming month because there is a beta that is open is we cannot fetch automatically your total sales there's no api there's no the no mws api to fetch total sales to display them in our board to show you your profit etc mm. etc so we don't do that for vendors and brands but all the rest is similar. So you design your strategies the same way, in a simple way by just grouping product, choosing an ACOS target. And you can even, we have even some uh, customers that own seller accounts and vendor accounts. So one part of their catalog is through a vendor account, they sell directly to Amazon. And another part of their account is uh, like fulfilled by Amazon. They, they, they like the, the the uh, the normal way of uh, selling directly as a third party seller. Okay, and then uh, as an agency, uh, when I look at a tool, there's something I don't know if other people do this, but I always measure. Let's say if this tool is going to cost me X per month, and it does this function, I always check: Can I get a staff member to do the same as the tool for the same price or at a lower price? And this will keep, you know, it, it will keep me cost effective. And at the same time, it will keep my staff employed for longer. Now, if the tool can do a lot more things than than the staff can and for, for a lower price, of course, it's a good deal for me. Uh, do you consider that this is the case, that your tool can do uh, a lot of jobs and it would outperform um, having more staff? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure 100% that you cannot replace uh, a human, like what I call the operator, either it's the brand owner or the agency. So this is why on our tool, we have like dashboards when you have your data to monitor, analyze what's happening. And you have the strategy manager where you describe the strategy. So no tool can do the strategy uh, in your like instead of a human. So strategy, it's almost impossible to do by a tool. So it will be a human and human brain will be always needed. So um, I do believe strongly that AI that you just plug, uh, click on, on, activate and will do everything, uh, it does not exist and it won't exist unless uh, it's a super... Uh, easy ecosystem, not a lot of competition or whatever, which is not the case. So going from that, I believe that agencies will always need people. What we are trying to solve is 
all this um, massive work with mathematical precision and thousands of operations a day and every day working every hour with no rest, mm -hmm. we want to delegate this manual part and this precision part to a machine that is meant to do it and that can do it way better than a human. But And we want to use the human brain only for the strategy part. So I believe that a tool is good for an agency when it can uh, make the agency spend only time in the strategy work with the client and with putting in place things. And with one person, many way more accounts can be managed and the output result and performance should be better uh, with this combination compared to one person doing it manually with no tool or compared to one tool doing it alone with no maestro on top of it doing the strategy. Got it. So that was the perfect answer. Uh, Tariq, <laughs> I, I know you have to go and soon um, soon you may be arrested for being there <laughs> too late. Uh, so uh, let everybody know where they can uh, find more about the, your tool and more about you. Yeah, so our website is m19.com. And please, if you have any question related to the tool or just to PPC in general, I love to speak about these topics. You can reach directly to me, to Tariq, T-A-R-I-K, at m19.com. And I would be happy to answer or help uh, when I can. Otherwise, if you just want to get information related to the tool, there's always our website, m19.com. Perfect. And the, the 19 is just the the numbers, one nine. Was it yeah, hard exactly. to get that uh, short domain, M19? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hard to get. Yeah, but now, now that we have it, we're happy to, to have a short domain uh, like this one. Yeah, incredible. Tariq, thank you so much for this. Of course, we, we have to stay in touch and maybe do this again because it was really mind-blowing, the stuff that I, I love to hear. So thank, thank you, you a lot. Thank, it was a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you.